Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to Light Church. Welcome to our virtual gathering and happy Father's Day. To all you dads and men out there, we are so thankful for you. We see ourselves as a family at Light Church. So whether you are a dad or whether you are just a father figure in the church, and we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope today is a special day for you. And if this is your first time, if you've stumbled across us online or you've uh, come to know us through the community care response, I want you to know that you are so welcome here this morning. Uh, you are amongst family. And I pray today that today wouldn't just be a day where you are entertained or a day that you're puffed full of knowledge or anything like that. But my heart for every single one of you watching today is that you would be encouraged and inspired to step into the future that God has for you. Because I believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, we've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, on the topic of racial injustice and racism. And uh, I, today I want to conclude this, this conversation. Uh, that does not mean the work around this will stop. But I think uh, today I just want to cap off uh, this conversation around racism. And I just want to quickly look at what we've learned so far. And then we'll jump in with the message for today. So three weeks ago, I preached a message entitled, Don't Miss the Moment. I said, I believe that we are in a cultural moment, and one that will define the way forward, and a spirit-led moment, one where the spirit is causing the church to, to kind of stir and to address some things, things that will uh, change the nature of the church going forward. The, you know, we, These points are found all throughout church history, and I believe that we find ourselves in one right now. So in that message, uh, I talked about uh, the Good Samaritan, and we talked about this idea of Imago Dei, which is a theological term that means the image of God. It's the, the belief, the understanding that every human, man, woman, child, is made in the image of God and is to be valued and is of equal worth. Therefore, anything that seeks to dismantle or to oppress or to oppose that needs to be addressed by the church. And uh, we talked about the fact that racism does just that. It seeks to dismantle this idea that everyone is to be equally valued and is of equal worth. So we need to address that. Uh, we looked at the Good Samaritan, how justice is not just a nice part of faith, but it is actually the very thrust of our faith. That justice matters to God and justice matters to us. So when it comes to racism, being not racist isn't enough. We need to be anti-racist. We need to be real careful and we need to search ourselves and, and to kind of uh, put ourselves on the table and just check are there any ways in us that are maybe a little bit prejudiced or whatever. So, so we looked at that. And then last week, we looked at a conversation around lend me your shoes, all about empathy, about kind of seeing the world through other people's eyes, kind of taking our shoes off and, and walking a little bit in other people's shoes. And we looked at the idea of unity. And if there is a part of the body that is hurting specifically, that matters to the body generally. So if there is a part of the body that is being oppressed and is feeling pain, then that should matter to the whole body. That is not about one part of the body justifying why it's okay for another part of the body to experience pain. So when we talk about unity, if unity is a value to us, if unity matters, then we need to seek to address anything that would um, oppress or dismantle or uh, seek to divide us or seek to uh, change that unity. So this conversation around racism really matters. It has big implications. It's something we should care about. 
And today, uh, I want to cap off this conversation by just looking at uh, the way that the Bible addresses many different topics, because the Bible talks about tons of different things. You know, the Bible is just one big story. We call it like the meta-narrative from uh, Genesis to Revelation. It's just one big story. And actually, it, it talks about many different things. When Jesus uh, when, was in his ministry time, those three years of his life, it was his public ministry. He addressed loads of different topics. But what I found interesting is that some topics would land with some people. Uh, it would kind of resonate with some people and others wouldn't. And it's exactly the same with us. Like sometimes uh, certain teachings from the Bible, some biblical truths, we are totally okay to accept. We are totally okay to be challenged when it comes to, to pride or, or greed or, or murder or things like that. You know, we can, we can have conversations around that. And I found it really interesting. I'm talking global church here, not just with our community. But I found it really interesting that when we've, we've opened this conversation around racism, the response that it is kind of um, evoked in some people has been so like vastly different across the church. Some people have really leaned into this and have been challenged and have felt the spirit just stir and say, you know what, we do need to talk about racism. This does really matter. And then the other end of the spectrum where people have been totally like, this is something we should not talk about in church. This is real strange. I don't think it's right. And I found it really interesting. Like, why is it that some uh, things in the Bible uh, we can just accept and we resonate with and they're kind of, we're okay to talk about and others, we're not. Like maybe, you know, is it our worldview? Is it our upbringing? Is it our theology? Is it our, uh, is it the mentors or the role models we have? Like what, what are the things that have affected why some things resonate with us or not? See, I think yes to all that stuff. Yes, it's our worldview. Yes, it's our theology. Yes, it's our upbringing. Yes, um, you know, our ethnicity uh, um, feeds into that. There are so many different factors that, um, that affect the way we receive. But I also think Jesus speaks into this very thing, speaks into the reason why some people can hear, some people can, can receive the word and others can't. So we're going to look at this this morning. And... Um, Again, I pray that this uh, encourages and inspires you, and it's not a condemnation or uh, you know me challenging just for the sake of it, but I really pray that this can help us grow and move forward. So let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 8, and um, we're going to read from verses 4 through to verse 15. So it says, uh, While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it came up. Uh, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see and though hearing they may not understand. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce crop. I think Jesus speaks beautifully into this as to why some things resonate and some things don't, why some things are easy to, to, for us to grasp and, and to change about ourselves and, and others aren't. I want to preach a message today entitled, It's Not the Seeds, It's the Soil. It's not the seeds, it's the soil. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that uh, on Father's Day we can uh, gather around as a community. We can be as one. We can be united. And I thank you, God, that you are here as we gather in your name. God, I pray this morning that this wouldn't be a time where we just sit in our houses and we are entertained or we are just encouraged or we just get some context or some knowledge. But God, it would be a day that changes us, God. Oh, we, we declare that only you can transform us, no amount of church, no amount of um, like good stuff can change us. No amount of people can change us, God. Only you can transform us from the inside out. So God, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, be present in every single home watching. We love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So talking about uh, seeds, I, I'm not a big gardener at all. For those of you who know me, you know I hate gardening. And um Actually, uh, throughout this lockdown period, it's kind of forced me, it's kind of forced my hand a little bit into do a little bit of gardening. And uh, me and Holly decided, we were fed up with uh, our little back garden, so we thought, we want some grass. So we broke up all the ground, we took off, um, you know, all the, the top layer of the grass, we leveled it all out, and we bought some grass seed. And we, we seeded the whole uh, of our little patch of, of back garden. And... Um, following us seeding the ground was the hottest three days. You probably remember them a few weeks ago, the hottest three days ever. And uh, we were watching and we were watering it every day, a couple times a day. And for some reason, like the, there was this little patch along the side, real thin patch. Uh, it was the only patch on the whole uh, garden that took the seed. So it was, it was a little bit in the shade. So it obviously wasn't being scorched by the sun, but the rest of the, the garden was just absolutely bare with these little dried seeds on the top of them and birds literally would come, like this passage was talking about, birds would come and eat the seed and we had like a bald, brown, dusty garden and then this thin strip of like vibrant green grass. And uh, it kind of struck me about this, and this is, speaks directly into this passage, is that the seed was the same. It was the same seed that was scattered all across uh, the ground, but it was the ground that received the seed that was different. It was actually the way that the seed was received determined whether the potential, you know, like every seed had the potential of this beautiful lawn, but actually it was down to the way that the soil received the seed. It kind of determined whether it would take root, whether it would grow and become all that it was supposed to become. And that's just like this passage is talking about. The seed is the same. Like in this passage, Jesus said that the seed in the story is the word of God. Now, the seed is exactly the same. I find it interesting. So, like we've been reading this for hundreds of years. The seed is the same. But isn't it interesting that actually 
it's not to do with the seed, it's to do with the way it's received, it's to do with the soil, the, the people reading it. It's the, the, the ones that determine whether this takes root or not. And this is what Jesus is speaking into. So before we jump into this, let's like build a little bit of a picture about uh, where Jesus was. So it says there were lar- like large crowds of people coming from town after town. So I want you to, to see this image here. There are people hearing Jesus. This is kind of a, quite early on into his ministry. So the word is starting to spread. This is becoming a big deal. Like all these people want to come and see who this guy is. Now there would have been people there from uh, different ethnicities. There would have been people there from different backgrounds, different ages, different genders, different walks of life. They're rich, poor, like all these different people, this crazy, random, eclectic mix of people all together to come and hear Jesus. Again, with tons of different motives. Some would have been there because they would desperately wanted to hear the word of God, hear this, this profound teacher. Some people would have been there because they might have been skeptical and they might have wanted to disprove what he was saying, just kind of listen in. Some people might have been there because they were getting a little bit of fear of missing out and they might have just come to kind of, you know, say that they were there. Some people might have just followed the crowd, they had nothing else to do. It was a Tuesday. I don't know what day it was, but just say it's Tuesday. They were, they were just bored. They woke up in the morning. Let's go out and see what this guy's on about. Loads of crowds, loads of people. In fact, they believe Jesus even had to push out a boat and preach just offshore because there was so many people, a multitude of people. So like hustle and bustle, crazy different amounts of people from different places. You can kind of see the picture like this. Now, the purpose of this story that Jesus tells, it was to separate the followers from the fans to separate those who were there to hear the message and to actually kind of live out the truth, the ones who were there seriously from the ones who were there just because. So that's the point of it. Now, Jesus often taught in parables. If you read you know, through his ministry, he would use these parables. What is a parable? Well, obviously the root of it is parallel. It's kind of this idea that the Greeks would understand a parable as uh, thrown alongside the truth. So it wasn't necessarily an illustration. It was actually a story that contained the same truth that the, the truth of the Bible would have. So Jesus would use these stories, not necessarily to illustrate a passage he was trying to unpack or anything like that. He would literally, uh, he would like create these, these scenarios where people could understand deep, profound truths in sort, of, in sort of snackable, understandable ways. So he would, he would throw these stories alongside the truth to help people understand. But he would also, in this context, he would use these parables for a different reason. This wasn't so much about illustration or about truth. It was actually about illumination. It was about separating. Jesus was dividing those who were there seriously from those who were just there for the ride. Now, think about this for a second. He essentially is telling a story that only those who are spiritually aware who were in tune with what he was talking about would understand. That's why Jesus pulls out that old passage from uh, from Isaiah where it says, uh, though seeing they may not see and though hearing they may not understand. In other words, if they are spiritually in tune with what I am saying, with what I am doing, they will get this, they will understand. But if they don't, I read a commentator that said, uh, the farmer listening that wasn't spiritually in tune would walk away and be like, oh, this wise man was... Tell me I need to, to be careful where I scatter the seed. Or maybe a local politician would walk away from hearing Jesus who wasn't necessarily spiritually in tune would walk away and, and think, you know what, 
Uh, actually, we could get more return in society if, if farmers were more careful, we need to put more guidelines in place. So if you weren't spiritually aware, you wouldn't have understood what Jesus was actually saying. That's why he says to his disciples, look, the, the secrets of the kingdom of God have already been revealed to you. So this isn't for you. What I'm doing here is those who understand will understand. And those who don't, they won't. It's kind of like, if you know, you know. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's separating those who were there for the ride from those who were there to actually learn. So Jesus outlines these three sort of scenarios that are negative. These three examples of this story of the the farmer who is sowing seed. Now, again, the seed is the same. But he outlines these three scenarios where the seed like is in a negative or a, a less than ideal situation. And then he resolves the story with a fourth scenario, the ideal, the optimal, one, the, the one, the, the desired outcome. So let's look at these. I think this can speak into this, uh, this uh, conversation around racism. And this, that as we look at racial injustice, I really believe that this can challenge us this morning. We might be able to relate to parts uh, of these different scenarios. So let's look at it. The first one that Jesus talks about is the wayside or the path. So verse 12. This is what Jesus says. Those along the path are the ones who hear and the devil comes and takes the, the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So these are the people who are kind of hard hearted. So the paths in those time would have been like super compressed dirt, super compressed, uh, you know, like they were dusty and dry. Nothing could could grow on them. People would walk over them. It says the birds would come down, swoop and, and eat the seed. So it's kind of like the people who are so closed off. So when Jesus says the seed is the word of God, when the word of God, when the truth of the gospel, which what points to the person of Jesus, when the truth of Jesus is proclaimed or is is um, shared with someone, they are so hard hearted that the seed cannot get below the surface. It stays in a place like if you didn't respect something, you would put it under your feet, you would walk all over it. And this is like saying that the seed has been scattered on the road. It's just not respected. It isn't, isn't honoured. It isn't put in its place. It's just walked over and left for the birds. It, this is the people that, that are just closed off from God. Now, we may do this in our own lives. We might do this on a, like a macro level completely with God, where you might be listening this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You might say, I'm a, I'm a little bit interested and I want to know more about it, but you have, you've tried God. You've said, oh, if you're real, speak to me, but you've been so closed off that the truth has never been able to get below the surface. So then you walk away frustrated that God didn't speak to you and God didn't do anything with you. And when actually you just weren't open enough to let the truth go open beneath the surface. Or maybe we do this on a specific level. We do this on elements of what, of what God talks about. You know, we want to talk about like, oh yeah, like I know I, I, know I, I shouldn't murder people. I know I shouldn't steal. And I know I shouldn't lie. And we're, we're totally happy to talk about this. But then all of a sudden uh, we talk about judging others and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want to talk about that. Maybe we've been hard-hearted. Maybe we have a this compressed, dry dustiness about certain elements of truth because the seed is the same. Maybe we've just been closed off to it. Maybe. We might have done this around this conversation of racism as we've been talking about this the past few weeks. Maybe you've been sat there and, and the truth has just not been able to get below the surface. 
Yeah, I feel we've unpacked some really interesting things and how the Bible speaks on racial tension and how the Bible speaks on unity and how the Bible speaks about honoring one another. And when it comes to racism, now we've already said racism seeks to, to oppress the idea that we were made in the image of God. But yet, when we've, when we've opened this conversation, maybe you've been sat there just feeling really kind of not very responsive to this. Like, why are we talking about this? I don't understand. Maybe the seed just can't get beneath the surface. So how do we apply this? Well, I want to challenge you. Maybe are there some areas in your life that you are hard-hearted, completely towards God or maybe specifically? These are the people that Jesus says are the wayside or the path. The seed can't get beneath the surface. Maybe where we can see ourselves in the second group, the rocky or the shallow ground. This is the second scenario that Jesus unpacks. Verse 13, he says, Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So these are the people that have some substance. So in the rocky ground, there would have been little pockets of dirt where the seed could actually take for a little bit. But it said the roots couldn't get down far enough because it was rocky ground. And in fact, because of the rocky ground, it would have been quite dry and dusty as well. So it wouldn't have been enough moisture. And we see ourselves like this in our own lives where, you know, often we talk about the spirit of God being like living water. Maybe we find ourselves in life as just like those people. We have these big, bulky, heavy, dense things in our life. Like in the ground, it had the rock. Maybe we have these big, bulky things that are restricting us from growing, that are not allowing roots to go deep down. Maybe it's a sort of insecurity in your life. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's unforgiveness or bitterness or past hurt. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's sin. The roots just can't get down deep enough because of these big, bulky things that are stopping us from growing. You know, these are the people that the, 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 the Spirit of God, the, the living water cannot refresh the ground because of these things that are blocking it. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can acknowledge that actually there's some things in my life that are stopping me from growing. There's some things in my life where you know, I, I maybe just don't measure up to what I'm supposed to be because I just haven't cleared the ground of the rocks. Like imagine in a flower bed trying to plant uh, these beautiful flowers, but they're being these big rocks and they just couldn't take root. Jesus says these are the people who receive the word with joy. And it's kind of like an impulsive. Jesus is painting this picture of like someone who's impulsive, who hears the message about faith and about how Christian community should be positive and encouraging. And, and they're like, yeah, I'm really into this. This is amazing. This is the lifestyle I want to live. And But then when testing times come along, when life doesn't turn out how you thought it was, when when your, your marriage is in a difficult place or when your kids are in a difficult place or whether your career or whether your identity or, or whether just your friendship circles or you're dealing with some form of addiction or whatever it is, when life doesn't turn out how you expect it to turn out, your faith can't stand up because you have not cleared the ground. Maybe we've let the truth of God land on us temporarily. Maybe in this conversation of racism, we've, we've heard about it. It's kind of evoked a transient emotional response that's kind of been quite fleeting. That when we first heard about this, this is outrageous. I need to do something about this. And as time has gone on, we've experienced a bit of fatigue with it. And now the, the 
fighting against the injustice of racism and, and racial inequality now just isn't a priority to us. See, racism might have sparked that emotional response in you. And it's just fallen away. Why? Because there are some things in our life that are stopping it taking root, allowing this seed, the, the word of God, the, the truth that points to the person of Jesus, his heart, his nature, the fact he deeply cares about people, and his heart goes out to those who are oppressed and pushed down. Maybe we have just become like that image of the rocky or the shallow ground when it comes to this. When we've been talking about racism, maybe it just can't take root because there's some stuff you've got to clear out. My challenge to you this morning is maybe are there some areas in your life, again, this might be your whole outlook towards God. You might be sat there thinking, well, I kind of let God in, but I'm really like cynical and, I, and they're just like the rocks that are stopping the, the seed, the, the word of truth taking root in your life. Or maybe it's a specific level. Maybe it's about something that the Bible teaches. Maybe it's about racism that you've, that you've, you've been up for talking about this, but it's starting to wither away. Maybe... You can address some things in your life. You can look across your life. Do I have any areas where that's what it looks like? I encourage you to have a look. So Jesus talks about the wayside of the path. He talks about the rocky or the shallow ground. And the third sort of negative, um, less than ideal scenario Jesus talks about is the thorny or the over-fertile ground. Verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now, you know what's interesting about this? The, the one where the seed fell on uh, amongst the thorns is it was a condition for growth. Think about that. It was the ideal conditions for a form of growth. But the problem was it was for the wrong growth. So it was the right, addition, uh, the right conditions, it was ideal conditions for some form of growth, but not the desired growth. Now, I just want to quickly bust a myth here that we talk about all growth is positive and uh, things that are grow are healthy. See, I just think that's an interesting perspective because if you went to a swamp or if you went to a, a stagnant pool of water, it is teeming with life, it is bursting full of life. It's just probably not the, the ideal or the desired kind of life that you are after. You know, if you, if you leave rubbish out and you find maggots, maggots grow and grow and grow. But is it the desired growth that you're after? Not necessarily. So let's just, let's just pause here for a second and realize that not all growth is good growth. In fact, even look at some, some illnesses or some diseases or some conditions like cancer. Cancer is rapid growth of cells, but it's not desired growth, is it? So not all growth is good growth. So this is a lesson we need to just dig into real quickly. The problem is about this soil that Jesus is talking to is it allows too much in. It isn't specific about what it lets take root in its life. So when the seed is scattered, it isn't just the seed that takes root, it's some other things. Maybe for you listening this morning, God is merely a, a dish on the table of your syncretistic, uh, philosophical or spiritual or theological buffet. Like God is just one of the many things that you dip into. 
Maybe God is just good vibes or behavior modification or something that you enjoy and you want to live your life by, but you have not committed to following the word of God and, and allowing it to illuminate the person of Jesus in our life so that we can live and we can change and we can love and we can look more like Jesus. Instead, it has become just one of the many tools in our tool bag. You know what? Jesus did not die on the cross. He did not sacrifice himself just to be one of the ways. In fact, Jesus himself says there is no way to salvation other than through me. There is no way to be reconciled back to the Father other than through me. You know, the, the soil here that, that Jesus is talking about, it isn't specific about why it lay in. Maybe in your life right now, when the word is, is shared or when the word is sown in your life, maybe you have allowed some things to come in. It says that, the, that it kind of took root and it began to grow, but then it was choked out by the other things that were growing. I want to challenge you. What have you let grow in your life? And specifically, when we've been talking about racial inequality, when we've been talking about racism and racial injustice, maybe as that seed took root and it began to grow and, and the spirit started to do something in you, maybe there were some other things that began to choke it. Some things that might look good as well. Maybe it might have been your politics. The way you specifically view things has actually choked now, I'm not saying a specific view on politics. I'm not going to be prescriptive about it. That's not my place. But what I'm saying is maybe we've allowed some things to take priority over the word of God. Maybe it's our theology. Did you know our theology can actually block us from hearing God? If we believe something so, so like adamantly about the Bible that might not just be right, it can actually block us from hearing God. Maybe it is just the way that we view people. Maybe it's the way we view ourselves. Maybe it's the way we view society. What have we let in that has maybe began to choke the, the growth of the seed that God has planted when he is asking us to address racial inequality? What are the things that have begun to choke it? See, in this, in this soil that the seed lands on, again, the seed is the same all the way through. The word of God, the word of truth, the person of Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning. What have you let into your life? What have you given priority to? What have you given like prime real estate in your life that is actually choking out the very thing that God wants to do? See, God promises freedom. He promises fullness. He promises plans for your life and potential. Actually, it won't come to pass. It actually won't grow. It won't be fruitful if you allow other things to come in and to choke it. Maybe this morning is a morning where you're going to address some stuff that you have let in. So the wayside or the path, the rocky or the shallow ground, uh, or the thorny or the over-fertile ground. Those are the negative scenarios that Jesus outlines. And then we arrive at the ideal, the optimum, the one. This is the desired outcome. This is the one that is the good and the pure soil. Let's read it. It says in verse 15, but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, they produce crop. See, these are the people whose soil is both soft, 
So as in free from rocks and, and free from stuff that is, that is stopping the seed taking root, that is open, that is humble, that can hear the word, that doesn't just challenge the seed, but is up for assessing the soil. It is the ones who are open that when they are challenged, they don't get defensive, but they, they listen and say, maybe there is something in this that I have to change. They're the people who are open that says their soil is soft. But not just soft, but pure. So not overly fertile, but the perfect balanced conditions for the desired growth. So not just open to anything. Hey, come here, let's put that little bit of, uh, of theology in there. Let's stick uh, that little bit of philosophy in there. Let's put that little bit of anthropology in there so that we can have this weird messed up view of the world. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying the perfect balanced, ideal, adequate conditions for the desired growth. And what is the seed? The seed is the word of God. So if we need to have conditions that are going to be right for this seed, then we have to listen to what it's talking about. Now, what is it that what is it that defines good soil? What is the defining characteristic of the ideal soil? Because interesting enough, in in three out of the four scenarios, the seed took root. In three out of the four scenarios, the seed actually began to grow. There was some form of growth there. It was only in the first one uh, where the seed actually didn't make it in at all. So obviously, it's not just growth that's a defining characteristic for, for good soil. It's actually a lasting fruit. So it's, Jesus talks about persevering. And it says, by persevering, you will produce a crop. So actually, the, the, the defining characteristic of good soil is those that, that, that stand the test of time and produce fruit. That is what, that's how you can tell whether soil is good or not, is if it produces the desired fruit. I think only time will tell what the soil is like in our lives. I think only time will tell whether the things that, that we have spoken about, things that we read, things that, that God speaks to us about, I think only time will tell whether we are good soil or whether we have some things to address. But we need to be open to looking at them. Jesus said, by persevering. See, as followers of Jesus, our faith should not just be a momentary thing. It has to be lasting. That whatever the weather, like I said, when we, our garden didn't grow, but when we actually got our heads around and we put some new soil down, we changed the conditions, the, the grass started to grow. And then the last couple of days, we've had the maddest sort of stormy, rainy weather ever. And I mean, Holly stood and looked out the window and saw the, the wind blowing and the grass blowing in the wind. But actually, it was the perfect conditions uh, to plant in. That grass has stayed exactly where it is. It has, not, it has not been washed away. It has been firmly rooted and it has lasted throughout this weather. That is what a mature, lasting, deep-rooted faith looks like. It is when the seed of truth the person of Jesus, his heart, his nature is accepted and received into our life and it begins to bear fruit. And the demonstration of that is that whatever life throws at us, we are stable, we are rooted, we are secure. When it comes to racial inequality, when we've, when we've opened this conversation around racism, let, let it not just be a momentary thing, let it be a lifestyle. When the Spirit is stirring and calling us to address some things, 
let it not just be something that's transient, something that just comes and goes like a fleeting feeling that like the, the, the shallow and rocky ground. Let's let it take root in us. Let, let's let it actually see some fruit and see some change. We said this, the symphony did not change the world when it was on paper. The symphony changed the world when it was played. Just like our theology, just like our faith, just like our relationship with Jesus. It does not matter if it just exists as a theory or it just exists as a belief in the Bible or it exists as a understanding. Actually, it actually lives and breathes when it is walked out, when it is lived, when it bears fruit. I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe there's areas of your life that when you are presented with the seed of truth, we sit back and we challenge the seed and we fail to assess the soil. How often have we find ourselves uh, looking at it and being like, oh, that felt uncomfortable. It must, they mustn't be interpreting that passage right. Oh, I've heard some other things about that that would actually allow me to live that way. So I don't really know where you're coming from on this, especially around this idea of racism. There are so many ways that I can justify why we shouldn't be talking about that. Did you know this? And what about this? And, and what about this? And actually denying people the reality of the pain that they are facing because it's uncomfortable for us to take. How often do we find ourselves challenging the seed rather than assessing the soil? I said I wanted to preach a message saying it's not the seed, it's the soil. Can I tell you that the seed is the same? Jesus is breathing. He is speaking. He is moving. It's down to us as to how we receive it. God loves us so much that he will not force us into his presence. He, he will not force us to live out the life he's called us to live. Because it wouldn't be love if we were forced into it. He gives us freedom and free will to live out the life that we choose. But he holds out his hand saying, hey, would you walk with me? Would you learn with me? Would you grow with me? I want to read a passage from James 2, 14 to 17 from the Message Bible. I think this sums this up beautifully. It says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come up upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I don't know about you, but I do not want my faith, my relationship with God to be looked upon as outrageous nonsense. God talk without God acts. It's just outrageous nonsense. We've spent three weeks talking about racial inequality. We've spent three weeks talking about racism. God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. Let us not be the church that talks. Let us be the church that walks it out. One of our key purposes in our church is we will be a church that talks with our hands. What does that mean? Is we will, we will demonstrate, we will show people what we believe by doing it. It should be seen way before we say anything. 
when it comes to racism, God talk without God acts. Outrageous nonsense. We have to let it move now. It has to walk now. We have to make some change now. That's what God's calling us to do. From here on, the work begins. We can't leave this as idea. We can't leave this just as preaching. We can't leave this as just inspiring or challenging talk. It's not the seed, it's the soil. It's on us now to see whether we're going to let this seed go beneath the surface and grow and take root and become what it's supposed to in God. Or are we going to be hard hard? Are we going to be shallow? Or are we going to be too inviting of too many voices? It's on us. Maybe you've been listening this morning and uh, you're a Christian and you're sat there thinking, ah, this has challenged me in one of those three areas. Can I just say it's helpful for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to understand that we have all four of those soils in us in different ways of, about different things. Our job is to just is to acknowledge where they are on certain issues that come up, on certain things that we face, acknowledge I feel like I'm being a little bit like the path on this issue. Oh, when we've been talking about racism, I, I feel like the rocky ground. I've been impulsive and I've been excited and now it's just not taking root. It's our job to recognize which soil the seed is falling on and to do something about it. Maybe this morning has been that challenge for you where you've realized where the seed has fallen. Now it's your time, your turn to address it in your life. Or maybe you've been listening this morning and uh, you're here and you find yourself like the first path or the, or, or the, or the second shallow ground. Where uh, this, this idea of God and this, this person of Jesus that has been, maybe you've heard about him as this teacher and this moral guy and this guy who, who believes that there's plan and purpose on your life. Now we learn that actually God loved us so much that he sent that guy, Jesus, to step into time, to clothe himself in a body like yours and mine, to live a human life, to die on a cross and upon that cross lay all of our sin, our shame and our guilt. And as he walked out of a grave three days later, he trampled on all of that stuff and allowed us to live in freedom and in relationship with God again. You heard about him and maybe the ground in your life is beginning to break and the seed is starting to get in. It's beginning to take root. And now you've got some work to do. You've got some stones to move. You've got some, some ideas to unlearn. You've got some habits to unlearn. Maybe today is the day that you will let the person of Jesus into your life. And if you want to do that, just like in Romans, it says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus died for your sin. And made a way back to God. If you want to accept Jesus into your life. He's at the door. He's knocking. He wants to live life with you. Today could be that day for you. You just want to say out loud a simple prayer wherever you are. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my brokenness. I give you my sin. I give you my future. I give you my family. Jesus, I give you my life. My heart today is that we would recognize which soil the seed has fallen and that we would make a change because it's not the seed, it's the soil. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are present in every home that you are moving and you are working today. God, I pray right now for all those who are listening that made that step for the first time that they want to know you as their savior. They want to know you in a personal, intimate way. 
God, I just thank you for your sacrifice, for the freedom and the, the fulfillment that you bring. That, you, that we can, in you, we can step into who you made us to be. God, I pray for all those people as well that made that, that kind of awkward, uncomfortable realization today that some seed has fallen on some hard ground or some shallow ground or some thorny ground. God, I pray that we would be people that commit to being good soil. God, we thank you that your word is just as relevant today as the day you breathed on it. God, let it change us. Let us not challenge it anymore. We love you, God. We thank you for all you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been amazing to spend these few moments together today. And uh, I hope I hope that you feel encouraged and you feel inspired and you feel ready to, to make some change in our lives, to make some, some positive moves towards Jesus in our lives. I hope our time together has encouraged you and uh, I pray on this Father's Day that you have an amazing rest of the day and uh, I'm just so encouraged by all that is happening in our church. If you made that decision for the first time today that you want to follow Jesus, I encourage you to get in touch. We want to do this journey with you. But we love you. We're praying for you. We uh, hope you're staying safe and well and uh, we will see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.